We are here with Richard Horvitz. What's it like being a voice actor here at Rock and Shop? Talking to Mr. The Dome. Spooty, spoot, spoot. Eh, 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 Yes. Hello. Hi, I am Zim. Yes, yes. You're part of the collective now. Muscular Beaver, whoosh! Just kidding. It's being like this. Hi, I'm a voice actor here at Rock and Shock for Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Could we have a better intro than that? Yes, you could not. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye by Saturday night. Hello, Rangoon, and welcome to TalkCast 236, another systematic invasion of your body and soul about all things science fiction-y. Deep in Area 51, on the sub-level 5, intergalactic pasta palace and gamma-ray glass-cleaning auto-wiper. If it's in the bright blue glow in the redstone rocket can, it's us. I'm the man without a name, known only as the man without... No, that doesn't work. I'm the dome. Joining the podcast yeah. tonight, I know, I know. I, I had something and then I didn't. Uh, joining the podcast tonight is, is our cast. In the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Countess of Shiny Stuff, Vice Princess of Opinions, it's our girl genius, Triana. <clears throat> That's all we're getting tonight? <laughs> you may proceed. From the stacks in her personal quiet place in the dank dungeons only indoor zen and vegetable garden which doubles as the robot reading room not wearing a cone of shame tonight it's just a fashion statement for the zombrarian so you can either think that last week i was gone because i forgot to unmute for the entire show it's happened before I was literally getting spikes installed on my teeth and one of those is true and I will let people guess which one we will let the peanut gallery decide that later on in the show from the four color vault of comics I did not get peanut when you started that word I don't know where I'm going with that (laughs) From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our ginger ingenue. Everybody knows she genuinely loves Michael Nesmith, but we like her anyway. It's the dead redhead. I do love Michael Nesmith. How did you know that? And we love you anyway. (laughs) And yes, tonight we are flying by the seat of our pantaloons. Indeed. Well, well, if if we're being British, pants are actually underwear, so... Yes, so we're we're fine. And or Japanese. I thought knickers. So I thought knickers were your underwear. So if we're flying Snickers? by the seat of nope. our pants in Britain, does that make us like Doug? I.e. Quail yes, Man. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yes. he can fly because we're wearing underwear on the outside of our pants because we're Quail Man. That's sure. Right. 
Okay, okay. Sidebar, sidebar. Zombrarian and I have discovered. I, I think we need to have a new segment called Netflix Gems. <laughs> because sometimes shit comes up on Netflix that like is not new, but like it's new to you, and then you watch it and your mind is just blown. Yes. Um, I'm not sure this actually ever aired in the U.S., but Zombrarian and I have been watching this series called An Idiot Abroad. Oh, well, yes, it did air. Yes. Michael Palin. Yeah. Did it? Yeah, it was on It was Michael on Michael Palin, Ricky Gervais. Oh, Ricky Gervais? Ricky well, Gervais. Right. Okay. And, and Carl Pilkington. <laughs> and who? Okay. Okay. So it's a, it's, it's a Sky One show. Right. Um, so if it wasn't British, wrong idiot abroad. Um, and, and basically, it's Ricky Gervais taking this moron and sending him places that he's absolutely going to hate and making him stay in crappy hotels and <laughs> sometimes literally exposing him to things that he would never be exposed to voluntarily. And so The first season is him at- seeing the seven wonders of the world. It's amazing. Ba- yeah, okay. basically. He he watches people eat scorpions in China. Lovely. Yeah. I can't go quite I that well. I tell you about India. Please Let's don't. Let's just say I have, I, have been, I have been, like, absolved of any desire to go to India ever. There you go. I'm now scared of India. As um, well you should be. Uh, and, and I deeply the, apologize the for all our Indian listeners. very nice. It's beautiful. But I think I can pass on that one, um, based on all the other stuff that happened. But, um, eh, you know, everything else, you know, he went to Carnival in Brazil, and, you know, they just generally tried to make him as uncomfortable as possible. But so, so at the end of the series, at the end of the eight episodes, they yeah. he's they're talking about series two, and he's like, no way. Because at this point, he's caught on to the joke that they're trying to make him as miserable as possible, and ah. that's funny. And he's like, no, uh-uh. So at the beginning of series two, <laughs> the, the first episode, it, it, it's a, it's about gone to the ser- joke. <laughs> yeah, he's an idiot. Right? Spoiler alert! So series two is about is about um, things on people's bucket list. So they make him do things off of you know people's you know a poll of the top a hundred things that people want to do before they die. Not him other people want to do um so so the first one was spend a night on your own desert island in your pants <laughs> pants being that's how we got to pants <laughs> yeah that's how we got to pants yeah. okay <laughs> awesome. anyway it's I, a completely I, hysterical I, show it's like no it's a completely hilarious show it falls under the moniker of cool stuff we like and torturing carl pilkington is is cool stuff that I like. So and at, at this point, can I actually just kind of tell everybody who tonight's guest is? We never got to that. Whoops. No. <laughs> Three or four weeks ago, we were at the park. Sorry, popcorn. we start talking about underwear. <laughs> it was important. Good lord. Was underwear is always important. <laughs> Thank you, Quail Man. <laughs> Three or four weeks ago, we were at the Pop Culture Expo, and as we were walking through this melange of uh, so many disparate things going on there, 
uh, I stumbled across this this interesting booth and uh, met our guest there, Sarah Hensley from Mad Scientist Lab. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, cause that's because you haven't ever listened to the show before. <laughs> And you've kind of gotten an idea now. It's like, oh, crap, uh, what have I gotten myself into? I do have a feeling that this is going to be a very fun show. Uh, well, we can only hope yeah, at this see? point. Oh, well, got to have a sense of humor about it. <laughs> so in, in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about what exactly Mad Scientist Lab is, who exactly you are, how you came up with this cool idea, and uh, the places that you're going to be to show this stuff off in the coming months. But before we do... The news. <laughs> that almost sounds professional, too. <laughs> I was imagining it's, someone straightening their tie there. It's like we're, I'm sitting here and I'm going, is she ready? I don't know. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. And then just... Did you hear it just kind of go? Spoiler alert, I never am. It always catches me by surprise. (laughs) And yet I managed to nail it. I managed to nail it every time. Okay, you've actually got delusions of competency at this point, but we'll move (laughs) forward. Uh, Some really odd stuff is happening this week. Uh, uh, I want to say, first of all, before uh, we get into the odd stuff, uh, one terrific writer did die just the other day, uh, Daniel Keyes, who you may yeah. remember wrote the classic book Flowers for Algernon uh, that the movie Charlie was based on. And uh, is it science fiction? Yeah, it is actually because Isaac Asimov, among others, uh, who reviewed the book, thought uh it was just an incredibly good piece of science fiction. It is definitely as, science as, fiction. Yes, I agree. Who said it's not science fiction? Yeah. Oh, I, anyone who thinks that Flowers for Algernon is not science fiction needs to learn up. about how brains work. <laughs> or figure out more about genres. One of the two. Yeah. One of the two. Or be less stupid. Well, that's the premise, isn't it? Of the book, yeah. yes. <laughs> for Algernon began as a See short story in 1959. Yeah. We all saw what you did there. And was released in its novel form in 66. Uh, sold over 7 million copies. And uh, it's just an elegant... Does he ever write anything else of note? Uh, he, he was actually uh, a, a professor, a literature professor. Uh, so, so actually, no. no. That doesn't no. answer the question. <laughs> I, mean, he was, I, I mean, not to diminish the one thing that he did write. Right. Which is amazing but, and so touching. But he wrote right. the one thing. It's not like, you know, we lost Shakespeare in the middle of his last play. He, he no, well, but I mean, you piece. don't... Here's my thing, though. You don't look at the Canterbury Tales and say, so, did he write anything else? Or did he just write this thing? Did he write anything else? No, he was a freaking one-hit wonder. (laughs) One-hit freaking wonder. I think think that Chaucer actually did write other things, but that's the only thing that anyone knows about. 
Right. It's like when Joseph but, Heller. But wrote it's like I'm not. Show. I'm not just. I'm just saying. It's not like he has a very popular, long-running series that he was in the middle of and suddenly died, and now no one will know what happened. No, Everyone that's not the point. Happened. Okay. Are Are we getting no, slightly what we wish would happen to George R R R R R Martin? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't gonna say it, but since you went there, we actually, know, I think we should go in Cardona. <laughs> Guys, wait, we shouldn't go there because we don't want to associate this amazing author with that with person. George, yeah. oh, that's, that's, that's true. That's true. That's, that's doing a disservice to Let's have a solemn to, moment. Like, e- even, yeah, we're going to have a solemn moment and say he's way better than George R. R. Martin. Facts. Yes. Okay, Done. now we had our moment. Can we go back to being silly Speak- now? Yes. Well, we, we can... <laughs> Uh, another writer of note that we might want to talk about is a uh, friend of the show, Harlan Ellison. <laughs> and I, when I say friend of the show, what I mean, is, what I mean is he didn't want to kill us after the interview. And we took that as a good sign. <laughs> he did well, not he he did not a dead dog to our front door. But he threatened to. He did threaten. But he only threatened me. us the once. That's true. And and he's a wonderful man, and we love him dearly. And it was a uh, wonderful interview. One of the most terrific Star Trek original series episodes was written by him, and it was called The City at the Edge of Forever. And it's it's actually well known as one of the best episodes of all time of any Star Trek. And they're probably right. And, it, and of course, because everybody thinks of it that way, Ellison is quick to point out how he fought with Gene Roddenberry over every little change he wanted to make until he threatened to pull his name off it and use the Cordwainder Bird pseudonym, uh, which he he forced people to use whenever he wanted his name off something that they had done with his work. Uh, Be that as it may, the original script, the unedited by anybody but Harlan's script, is now being turned into a graphic comic miniseries. And uh, it's being uh, written, uh, rewritten in comic book form by Scott Tipton and Dave Tipton. And uh, J.K. Woodward is doing the interior, and it, what they're Ooh. showing of it is absolutely beautiful. Just, a bit just. Of... Well, it would have to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't let it happen yeah, any other way. Are they, he would have a dead dog nailed to his door. <laughs> are they basing any of the art on the episode itself, or is it going to be completely yes. separate from the TV show? No. It's literally the title is Star Trek Harlan Ellison's The City on the Edge of Forever, the original teleplay. So it has all the characters within the Star Trek universe, based on that original play before anybody touched it. IDW is putting it out in a five-part series, and it's available on the shelves now. And Do they I have don't... all enough space for all the ellipses for Shatner's? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I, and, and no and... disrespect to Harlan, but didn't Harlan tell us when we interviewed him that he was dying that year? He said he was dead before the end of the year, but that was like, which is, I'm glad that he isn't. 
And I'm saying that, but it's just funny because I think that was like five years ago at least. It was, yeah, it was three, but yeah. And then, <laughs> then the following year, he, he had that big Harlan Ellison yard sale. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I am glad Harlan is still around threatening people. Me too. Me too. So what else is going on, guys? Well, there's lots of cool Kickstarters on. Wait, can I, can I do, do one a, thing can, first that we've already talked about, but I have an update? Yes. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Very brief update on the Harrison Ford situation. Oh, yeah. Which I know. Yeah, which I know. We should have like a, a breaking Harrison news thing. Huh. It's uh, funny well, that you say breaking news. We do news. have a breaking... Hang on, hang on. I gotta do this again. <laughs> so yeah, don't like I Harrison Ford. The update. Like I was saying, <laughs> it's funny update. you would say breaking update. news update. because everyone thought that Harrison Ford sprained his ankle and yet, uh, while shooting Star Trek episode... Seven. Seven? Thank you. Seven. You're welcome. Um, he broke his leg. Are they going to have to shoot him uh, now? Possibly. <laughs> I'm, just ask, I'm just asking. I'm not even going to take him to the glue factory. They're going to slit him open and put Mark Hamill inside to stay alive. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, can they shoot his Oh, snap. Step? That's how they're keeping Mark Hamill youthful. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. They're actually not. Have you seen the picture lately? But yes, he yes, uh, <laughs> he is going to be in rehab for a while before he can return to shooting. Not drug, not drug rehab. He's going to be in rehab for his leg for a while. Well, Harrison you Ford. know, if you could do the Kessel Run in two parsecs, you he could have been able to walk through, through a door. door. <laughs> not now. And all I can say is, JJ, good luck. Just, I feel like he might luck. have done it in protest. I feel like if I was Harrison Ford and I read JJ Abrams' take on Star Wars, I would throw myself over a doorway too in order to get out of it. Oh, good lord. We're, we're ascribing a lot to the fact that he may not have liked that series. Uh, and we'll see whether or not he actually yeah. does. I can kind of see Han Solo, though, with, like, a crutch or something. Still or running cane. around being totally he'd awesome. Be yes, yeah, he'd, he'd, be, be a, he'd still be he'd badass, be. but he'd have, like, a crutch or something. Or, like, a cane well, with I, skulls and crossbones all up it. Or, yeah, or a Nazi cane, you know, that he stole from them during uh, one of the... Wrong the series. When he time-traveled <laughs> back oh. to Nazi... That's yeah. right. That's right. When he was doing Raiders of the Lost Ark. We figured know. out how that okay, happens. Well, that somebody did. Han Solo, but, time traveler. You heard it here first. But that, that also brings to mind uh, the next question, which is, I thought that his next project was going to be Blade Runner 2. I mean, they've been talking about that for long enough. I thought that it was that he was not going to be... I thought 
what I read, and I don't know because I don't have a link or anything. I thought he was having a cameo in that, but he wasn't reprising his role. Oh, that would suck. How are you not going to have Blade Runner 2 without Deckard? I thought it was a remake, not... Oh, God, please, no. You can't remake it. Oh, my God. Just stop it. Well, they can. It's just going to still suck. What do you mean, still suck? It's one of the best movies made. Well, when they remake, but it the also whole depends on. Yeah, remakes do for the. Well, you know what? I've got a remake that I think might be fun. Bum, bum, and I don't bum. even know if you don't even remember the series, but it was an old BBC animated series called Danger Mouse. Yay! And the BBC announced this week. Danger Mouse. Oh yeah, and it was one of the coolest. Uh, Spy mice ever. <laughs> what can I tell you? He, was, wow. he, was a, he, he wore an eye patch and he had a mole for his sidekick, and it was it was quite funny. It ran from eighty two to ninety two, full ten years, uh, over one hundred and fifty episodes, and they're bringing it back. I wish X was here. I bet he would have words about that. And they probably wouldn't be nice. Well, that's too bad. Because that's one of X's favorite series of all time. Well, you can tell him he has a whole new series to look forward to. Because I I remember X saying to me a long time ago, David Eccleston, seriously? He's going to screw up Dr. Chris Eccleston. Chris Eccleston. Chris Eccleston. Whatever. I mean, he sat there and berated me at a granite con going, this is never going to work. And, and, it really didn't, and then they brought in David Tennant and it was amazing. Yeah. Chris Eccleston did not. No, I like Eccleston. He just scares me. I thought you were me. all good in their own way. Well, he should. He's a scary guy. Yeah, and he's no only ever played it. bad guys except for on Doctor Who, and it was hard to make that mental transition. And it's funny because I didn't know him as an actor all that well prior to that, so I didn't really, <clears throat> excuse me, really notice until afterwards that, yeah, he always played bad guys. That's, and, that's and, and really nasty ones, too. He was the bad guy in two of my favorite bad movies. Two of your favorite bad movies. Yeah, I have a really high affinity for bad movies. Oh, okay. Um, so he was the bad guy in Gone in 60 Seconds, and he was terrifying, even though it's not a good movie. It's just fun. Yeah. And he was also the bad guy in 28 Days Later, in which he was terrifying, even though it's I'm not so a good movie. I'm so glad G.I. Joe, because he was the bad guy in G.I. Joe, too. Yeah, but he's an excellent bad guy. He's terrifying. He is a good bad guy. Agreed. He gave me nightmares. (laughs) Damn it, Chris Eccleston. You know what? It's gonna be okay. You know what, Kriana? You know what? Yeah, I know where Uh he is. Sleep. That is true. 
Okay, but, you you got you got your your cool stuff you find on Netflix. Well, I'm going to talk for okay. 30 seconds about my guilty pleasure. But wasn't wasn't that redhead going to tell us about Kickstarter? Yeah, I know. I know. Okay, I am, go but ahead. What do you want to talk about, Dome? Lost Girl season five. Oh, oh my Jesus. god! I cannot freaking wait. Oh my freaking god! That's it. It's coming up very shortly, and and Siffy in its infinite stupidity, it's it's running in Canada in uh, the fall of 2014 coming up, and Siffy just this week uh, signed up to air it in the spring of 2015, which is stupid. You're dumb, Siffy. That's all I'm saying. And and, oh, and if you've ever seen the Will Beaton Project. Yeah, I know. And if you're watching the Will Wheaton Project, you know exactly what I mean. But that's a whole other story. Lost Girl Season 5. Kenzie's dead! What the hell are we going to do? Kenzie's dead. I'm so No, pissed. I haven't seen Season 4 yet! <laughs> oh! My. oh! There are so many deaths that run through Season 4. It's ridiculous. Spoilers! It's like... I've been happy and happy for you. Be nice to the guests. We want these people to come back. Okay, so, She's my sorry. favorite. How oh, they, they can't kill Kinsey. She can't say that. Oh, I'm sorry. He was lying. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he got a liar. It's not true. You're a liar! <laughs> Dom, are you starting to talk to yourself? Yes, I am. Okay. What? What? It's okay. Exactly. So what's All happening right. on Kickstarter? What's new? What's exciting? There are a few, so I'm going to just give a little highlight on several of them that just came out today that I heard about. Uh, first, there's going to be, they want to make a live-action movie. Well, it is a movie about people who love Sailor Moon. So it's not Sailor oh, Moon Lord. movie. It's, it's kind of like they did for Star Trek and some of the other genre movies or series that have huge fan bases. Um, this one is about the people who love Sailor Moon. Can I can I ask a Are question? Are naked ladies going to do the soundtrack? I don't know the answer to that, Sombrarian. Because they do I believe think... that Sailor Moon has got boom anime babes. Right. <laughs> they make yeah, me I... think but, the but wrong my... thing. <laughs> I can actually that entire song, Child of the 90s. <laughs> but but the question I have I for you, you Dead Redhead, is this. They, they, they have eight days to go, and they've already actually made their goal. But they do have, the on the front of it, of their mini movie that they did to get people to donate, they have all these young ladies dressed up in Sailor Moon outfits. So, so here's my question for you. You yes. said this movie is like genre movies like the Star Trek Trekkers movie where they have a huge fan yes. base. So what yes. I'm hearing, the meta message here is is that Sailor Moon has a huge fan base? Oh, yeah. Oh, thank God I don't know about it. Oh, thank you, God. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so yeah. They're called movies. Moonies? They're called Moonies. Yeah, I'm a Moonie. Actually, my first cosplay ever was Sailor Jupiter. There you go. I have a friend, yeah. a friend who does drag, 
and mm-hmm. one of his most popular YouTube videos is him doing Sailor Moon drag where he's all of the characters and lip syncing a song and all of the costumes are made out of construction paper. And it sounds ridiculous, but it's actually really impressive. Number one, the performance, and number two, the costumes, because they look real, but they're all construction paper. It's adorable, actually. It's really cool. cute. I'm, I might link to the video in the show. I would say, put that link up as should. well somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will put the link I in mean, the show notes. It's adorable. If you, if you go to the, um, to the Kickstarter site, they even have, like, stickers that you can... If you pledge so much, you get stickers. You can get a whole sheet of all the different characters. Although they don't have tux- tuxedo mask on there, I notice. Which I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I know I I am not a, a Mooney. I mm-hmm. just don't understand the whole piece of him being called tuxedo mask. Other than the fact that he wears a tuxedo and a mask. Is that you the only way upon it? Called that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's exactly called Wikipedia called dead redhead. Yeah. Um, is that what you might call that thing about? Yeah, it's because he wears his tuxedo oh. and has a mask. And my favorite thing no, is he throws. I just Sailor Moon, but I just thought it was odd that they always call call him Tuxedo Mask. I was like, oh, doesn't he have a name? <laughs> no, he's technically the guardian of Earth, but that's boring. Okay. He's also you know the, just the guardian you know how, of Earth. Yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> But uh, it's it's fun because, you know, you see a lot of tropes, especially in in the 90s, it got a little bit better, but you have the damsel in distress trope that, you know, has really ballooned, especially in video games recently at the discussion. And um, Darian, Tuxedo Mask, is actually a damsel in distress character. All the women in the show are extremely strong-willed, and they save his butt a lot, and he keeps getting trapped and... I think that's why the show is so popular. So he's like male Lois Lane kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. I mean, each episode follows this pattern where Sailor Moon has to go fight, you know, evil villain X like Power Rangers. You have this weird monster appears. And um, then she she starts to fight, but she loses her cool. And Darian shows up as Tixio Mask and he throws her a rose and he tells her how amazing she is. And she goes oh, I am amazing, and then she defeats the monster, and then at the end of the episode you get some sort of uh, message, but throughout the story arc, Darian tends to get kidnapped, he gets turned a couple times evil, um, he actually ends up falling in love with his daughter at one point, so there's that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So it's a wholesome show. <laughs> <laughs> Did they change that for the English dubbed version, like how they turned the lesbians no. into cousins, which I think is hilarious. No, they did change the lesbians into cousins. The best part is they didn't change the lines, though. So you still have things like, oh, Michelle, my cousin and I are going to go after school and we're going to go get ice cream together. And then they hug in a very suggestive way. And you're like, um, now you just look like lesbian cousins. Oh, that's all that happened there. Yeah, they, they, that's what they meant to look like. All they did was made it worse. Yep. <laughs> all they did with that was, oh yeah, we'll make it more palatable by making them cousins, but then they look like incestuous lesbians instead of just lesbians. Yep. Incest is best. The game the whole family can play. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, moving on to the next one. <laughs> 
The next Kickstarter up for uh, grabs is... It's called uh, Versus Video Games 3. This is the third album. Apparently, this young man, um, T Daniel Tidwell, likes to take video game soundtracks and redo them heavy metal style. And he had his other two albums backed by Kickstarter, and now he's trying to do his third one. And he is halfway there. He's got he's got twenty seven days left to go though. Uh, but he's got five thousand dollars out of ten thousand, and apparently that is his big thing. Is he will do all these videos of him playing his guitar, um, doing heavy metal versions of all these different songs from current video games. Yeah, he's a really so good guitarist. One, like by the way. It's a lot of spaghetti metal. That's what I call it anyway. Kind of stuff. So, we have him. That sounded we more have like turkey metal. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. Dead it. <laughs> oh no, Thanksgiving! No! <laughs> then there's one that's very Anything close to Thanksgiving. my Thanksgiving! <laughs> that's called Alternate Histories Classics of Filmdom. And this is a guy out of Pittsburgh. So, again, props to him because, you know, my heart down in Pittsburgh. Um, but he is taking some of the worst movies, Zombrarian, we were just talking about this, some of the worst movies ever, like MST3K stuff, and he wants to repackage them so they look like old, like Shakespearean folios. And I just think okay. this is adorable. And the movies that he's choosing are Plan 9 from Outer Space, Manos, Your, the your hands personal of favorite. That is one of my personal favorites. And Santa Claus uh, Conquers the Martians. And he's making little folios out, the, uh, out of them with art and all this really cool stuff. And he's pretty close. He's got 3,000 of his 5,000 goal. Um, and, you know, part of what you can get are copies of these little gems if they get to get made. So I'm very excited about now, that. Now, it's printed as a folio, but it's, is it the actual screenplay of the movie? Yes, they are the actual screenplays of the movies. So you will get this, the actual screenplay to Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Imagine. It's, this is, Just imagine. It's kind of cool. I think it's very you know, cool. It's and of course, I have to have the plan nine, because I do. <laughs> it's going to be about three, three, uh, three by five inches. They fit in your pocket. They've got all kinds of ornate artwork all over the front of them. Um, like the one for plan nine says, Plan nine from outer space by Edward D. Wood Jr., annotated for everyday use by Alternate Histories, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with all this elaborate artwork on it. Um, they're adorable. They're really, really cute. So if you like really bad movies, like really, really bad movies, that, that would be a fun one. They also have a horror Kickstarter coming out. It's a short that is actually the second one uh, with Michael Berryman in it. Michael Berryman has been interviewed by us before. Michael Berryman was in the, Hills, the original version of The Hills Have Eyes. Um, he's been in a ton of horror films. He um, is very um, 
you know who he is as soon as you see him because he's got a very odd shape to his face and he has a medical condition where he's uh, has no hair and his brow is kind of overhanging from his eyes and so forth. He's very tall. Um, he was in, a, I want to say, a Twisted Sister video, but I may be wrong in which rock band he was in. But he was in one of their videos. Uh, but they're doing a short, and he's playing an ice cream man. He's actually apparently playing the good guy in this one. And there's a creepy little girl in it who's the bad person. Well, not the bad person, but the scary person. So those are some of the really cool stuff that just came out. Uh, they may, well, we don't know if they're going to make it or not. Uh, they have 24 days to go. They only have $1,200 of $18,000. They, they may not make it. But if you do, and they really should because he's a cool guy. Michael Berryman is very cool. We met him a couple years ago at Rock and Shock. He was so right. good with the fans. Right. He picks up the kids and takes pictures with them. And such a gentle, gentle man, even though he looks like he's ridiculously scary. Um, and, of course, if you do, Eddie, if you give money to any of these, please let them know that you heard about it on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. So they know how much we love those guys. And no, also... Uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute. I know, I know. I'd like Kriana to talk about this a little bit. Kriana's All on right. the way. She's she's so, left the building. She's indisposed at this exact moment. And now Natural. a brief musical interlude by Zombarian. <laughs> I'm doing a brief Musical interlude until you go back to your computer to talk about the story bundle. Story bundle. She's on the way. Do you have any other news? Because I'm sick of singing now. Well, what I wanted to say was Jason Chen gave us a call about this new story bundle that's out. If and by call you mean sent an email because we live in the 21st century. Well, of course Hi. that's what I meant by that. So, yeah, we were talking about the new story bundle and how uh, we're going to, over the next couple of weeks, have a couple of the uh, authors from the new story bundle, which is kind of interesting because we had Michael Stackpole on last week, and he never yeah. mentioned to us. I noticed that. that. Well, I think he probably wasn't supposed to at the uh, time because it hadn't come out yet. Uh, rules, 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 rules. So, Kriana, can you talk a little bit about the the new story bundle? I can always talk about a story bundle. You know, Jason has hit this one out of the park again. I don't know where he keeps finding these Frank Herbert uh, books, but he's yeah, got no another kidding. one. No kidding. Yeah, and um, he got an Anne McCaffrey one this time, too, which is really hard. Cause and, and, you know, Jody was actually supposed to be on tonight. I don't know if she got my emails or what, but she was supposed we'll get her to be on, on quick, Jody, quick. if you're listening. If you're listening, we'd love to have you. We'd like to know the deal with this book, because I want to know the deal. Um, you've got your 
Mike Resnick book. You've got your Kevin J. Anderson. Yes. You've got your Christine Roosh. You've got your uh, Michael Stackpole, which we already mentioned. Is that, mm-hmm. is that everyone notable? I mean, there's there's more notable. We've got Jay Lake and Ken Scholes. Um, Doug Beeson and Kevin Anderson. Right. I was getting there. Okay. And Brandon right. Sanderson. Um, so it's a great lineup. It's it's about cosmos. The theme this this year is, or this year, this bundle is the universe. Um, oh, Jay Lake just passed away. I didn't realize that, but it says so right here. Oh. So, um, and a portion of the proceeds from this bundle will will benefit um, benefit his his charity. The Clayton Memorial Medical or, Fund, or a charity, a charity that he designated. I'm not sure. Hang on, I missed this. I think he designated that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey guys, and, guess and, what? Yeah. Now that I'm done doing yes. my brief musical interlude, I realize what time it is. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's time to talk about the oh. guesty stuff. Guesty stuff. <laughs> That's the only music we have for the guesty stuff. Sorry, Sam. We need some. We need like one it. of those I was too. Song. I was dancing. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So we'll have the link into the story bundle and and all that coolness. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll have some of those writers with us as well, with any luck at all. So anyhow, a couple of weeks back at Pop Culture Expo, uh, I literally ran into uh, Sarah Hensley from Mad Scientist Lab. Did you get apologized? Did you hurt her? <laughs> I, I actually. We had we had to exchange insurance numbers, but other than that, yeah, there we go. We fine. It was unfortunate, but but it's all sorted out. Yeah. Now, finally, <laughs> that's why she's no, on the show. <laughs> part, yeah, part of the settlement was that she was on the show. Apparently, exactly, exactly. Wow. And I'm good with that. So, yeah. so I walked past her booth at the Pop Culture Expo, and there were these what I mistakenly thought were. <laughs> uh, like screen printed lab coats, and you're I'm going, not the first one. Yeah, I, I know. I understand that. And and along with that, they were like what I thought were screen printed canvas bags and all kinds of other really nice what I thought was screen printed stuff. Come to find out, uh, Mad Scientist Lab is the brainchild of Sarah, who came yep. up with this out of necessity of blandness. <laughs> yeah, it's a very yes. eloquent way of putting it. I, Thank um, you. I, I I have delusions of eloquence, so we we go with that. <laughs> I would say they're not just delusions. Um, yeah, I, I so I'm a, I'm actually a microbiologist by day. I'm a ninja by night. Um, and in the intern, <laughs> sorry, I have a dry sense of humor. Um, I'm not really a no, ninja. No, you're fine. Someone's trying to laugh. Do you? Um, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> Um, but uh, I was doing experiments and I honestly I got bored with my white lab coat and uh, so I painted on mine and my lab mate thought wow that's actually very cool can you do us and I was like sure that that doesn't sound so good but it it was a (laughs) (laughs) what are you studying in that lab of yours (laughs) Yes, it's an interesting microbiology lab. Um, and it just kind of ballooned out from there. And I 
I honestly have never had a professional art class. Uh, about as close as I've ever come is seventh grade. I learned what the color wheel was and what shapes are. It was very that's good. I, I hear that's the first yeah. step. There we go. Yeah. I just kind of, uh, when I started painting, I just did what seemed right and it worked out. And I've actually had a lot of people tell me, oh, this must be screen print. And I'm like, no, look, if you you look in detail at my thing, screen printing by necessity can't have a gradient. It can't have a smooth blending of colors. It has to have small pixels. Um, but you can see all my stuff is smoothly blended. And then especially on the canvas bags, um, when you screen print, it doesn't get the texture of the canvas into the image, but I incorporate the texture. So. And the cool thing is, these are incredibly cool designs. They're all original designs for the most part. And yeah. uh, they're fans. They're all but yeah, they're designs. But they're all hand done. Mm-hmm. And and because they're hand done, you would you would think to yourself, well, this has got to be incredibly expensive, and yet it's not. I mean, it's, well, it's very <laughs> reasonably priced. Yeah, uh, I try to get it on the same ballpark, slightly, I mean, yes, it's slightly more than a screen-printed, say, canvas bag would be, but um, you're talking my $50 versus the average screen-printed canvas bag that's going to last you is somewhere between 40 and 60 anyway, so. Right. And, and the lab coats uh, are, you know, the lab coats and, and the scrub pants and the whole thing, it's, it's, it's very different from anything else that's out there. Yeah, and they're actually all lab safe still. If you're a doctor or a nurse, you can still wear it to your um, office. I checked with OSHA, who is uh, the regulator, and they said, yeah, it doesn't change the chemical makeup of the fabric, so it's fine. That's kind of cool. Yeah, they're also so all machine how did you get... Usually... Oh, sorry. No, that's no, huge. Yeah, yeah, very huge. So how did you go from the cottage industry of your lab mates to showing up at conventions with this? <laughs> um, uh, that's a great question. Um, Thanks, I get them occasionally. But, you know. <laughs> I... So I... I've been part of the anime geek culture since, oh gosh, probably knee-high to a grasshopper. I started reading Nancy Drew, uh, probably my third grade, and by fourth or fifth grade I was reading H.G. Wells. Um, I read the entire compendium by the end of sixth grade. Um, so, I, yeah, I, well, H.G. Wells is amazing. I love all his yes. short stories. Anyway, um, so I, I kind of was always part of the culture and so I attended conventions and I thought to myself uh, one of my friends had been doing a different um, she does etched glass and I had thought to myself well I wonder if I could just bring a lab coat or two and sit at the corner of her table and she was fine with it and I sold my coat and I was like cool maybe I'll try my own stuff and so I started investing all of the money that I made back into the business i other than the first probably 100 or $200, I haven't put my own money into the business. It's just the profit feeding itself. And so now I'm at about $15,000, which is amazing. 
Um, Very so it's actually cool. fully Yeah. Now, now you you branched out from sharing a table with somebody else to what was at at the uh, Pop Culture Expo a fairly large, well placed, well designed booth. And how many cars are you doing a year? Um, yeah, well, you should be. It's good looking. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's see. This upcoming year, I've got five cons right now. Um, let's see. BronyCon is my next one in Baltimore. And then I'll also be at Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, um, Aresia in January. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. Mm, I don't remember. Oh gosh, I need to find my schedule. <laughs> you just coming at uh, Nauticon, or was your friend down there? Because you talked about the glass. That was my friend with the glass. Okay. Yeah, she does. Yeah, glass and acrylics. Her decoys dork decor. Oh, cool! Yeah, she had some gorgeous stuff. Oh yeah, she's very talented. Um, well, next so, year you'll have to come down to Nauticon and be naughty with us. Yes. I unfortunately I was actually see so not a con I was actually helping my friend do her prelim which is kind of like your master's equivalency when you're in your PhD program so uh, I was a little preoccupied but next year I'll be I'll be free of the PhD program and on my own two feet <laughs> so I can do whatever I want. so there is beautiful stuff here Sarah I mean there really really oh, is because you so people know that you're not just doing lab coats, you're also, it looks like you're doing jewelry boxes, and tell us a little bit about all kinds of the things that you do. So I've been branching out a lot because I just kind of wanted to see what cloth things could I paint on, what does my technique work with, because I kind of, again, I never had the professional background, so I think in some ways it was good, some ways it was bad, but it let me develop my own technique that apparently no one else does, which... I don't know, it makes sense to me. Um, so one of the things I'm actually looking at going into probably shifting most of my business towards is doing what I call light boxes, which um, you might see on my website is I did a My Little Pony banner where I created a scene that doesn't actually exist anywhere in the show um, between one of the key first season villains and one of the fan favorite ponies. And um, it's kind of pitting light versus dark. Uh, and how I painted it such that if you backlight it, the painting looks different than if you front light it. So I filled in all the holes. I used different gradients and different opacities of the paint. Um, so you get a different effect. But I want to do a series that the entire painting looks different. So for example, one of my ideas was uh, a painting of a moonlit tree by a lake. And then when you backlight it, it's actually a nymph standing in the moonlight. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, By so the way, do you, you do those on, like, lampshades? So I was thinking lampshades, but I don't know what the market for lampshades would be. I was going to do them on um, muslin and then build LED light boxes. Um, so that the final... Yeah, the final painting would probably be about 11 by 14, and probably, if my time estimate's right, about $200 for the original, and then I'd make smaller prints, and um, it'd probably be about one inch thick, so you could just hang it on your wall. 
By the way, did you? That kind of sounds that is cool. Your zombie, yeah, that sounds amazing. Your zombie doll on there, right? You made that zombie doll. Oh no, the um, I don't know. I don't have a zombie doll on my my shop. Oh, okay. No, the cover the photo there. You mean? I thought it said I did this, so I thought it was oh, you, but. Are you talking about the zombie lab coach? Yeah, um, I did a zombie coach. Maybe that's what I was looking at, because I was going to say, I may need that. That was very cool. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, that was a custom. I do a lot of, most of my lab coats are actually custom orders. Um, And the custom lab coat that was the zombie, she wanted a black lab coat, which... I don't know if I ever want to do again. That was really rough. <laughs> it was a lot of layers. Uh-huh. Um, but I did the colors reversed, and she wanted basically herself, but as a zombie. Um, it turned out pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I think cool. that's kind of an understatement. It must be good if Dead Redhead <laughs> wants it. Dead Redhead yeah. is a zombie connoisseur. Sure, I am. Well, I've, I've got to tell you, Sarah, I, I was I was terribly impressed at, at a number of levels, uh, not just by what it is you do, but the kind of wide spectrum of things, the the attention to detail, the, the whole, this is mine because I handcraft every detail of it. And mm, it's, yeah. it's really amazing. It's really, and really quite beautiful. Oh, thank you very much. I have a lot of fun doing it. And that's why I think it works. And it shows that, you know, you're, you're experimenting with all different visuals, uh, all different mediums, all different styles. And, uh, I mean, we talked, I think, for half an hour at the show, and you were just really happy. <clears throat> nice going. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> no, yeah, Sarah, it's, it's can they wash? Can they actually wash those coats? Oh yeah, all of it can be washed, and you wash. I mean, if you got uh, so uh, one of the things I do, which is actually why I painted my coat in the first place, is I work with what's called iron gel. It's poorly crystallized iron, um, so it's essentially liquid rust, and it gets everywhere, oh, and it stains gosh. like nobody does. Um, and so the oh, wow. treatment to remove it is really hard. It's a lot of bleach and a lot of scrubbing, um, but the paint will actually stand up to it. The only thing that can strip this paint is um, pure rubbing alcohol. Um, and so if, if you get it on there, all you have to do is lay it flat, let it dry, and then it should be good to go. But you can use stain remover, um, run it through the washer dryer. I usually suggest line dry just so that, like a screen printed item, it doesn't crack over time. But Right. Yeah, they're very durable. Oh, nice. And that's well, not the uh, washing machine. Sorry, don't. No, it's okay. These are important things to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm important. guessing it is. Uh, yeah, so sure. You, I always suggest, you know, putting it in with light colors. If you need to use stain remover, do so. You can use fabric softener. It's fine. Um, yeah, just in your washing machine like normal. I actually, all of my lab coats, are real metal lab coats. All of my scrubs are real Cherokee scrubs, and all of my canvas bags are double stitched, double lined. And I did that so that 
this the products will last you as long as physically possible. Because I figure, why yeah. why have you go through the time of painting them, you know, just for it to fall apart? And you know, you go you the customer go through the the money of buying it. Why would you want an inferior product? And falling in love with something and then having it not be so nice on you. Yes. Yeah, no, it's horrible. So, Sarah, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us about Mad Scientist Lab, about the kind of work that you're doing. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll let people know where you're at, what you're doing, and what's going on. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. It was great fun. It was our pleasure. So tell us, Kriana, what's happening in the next couple of weeks? Well, next week, Vlad Vaslin, author of The Button, joins us to talk about, I assume, The Button. The week after Good that, assumption. Peter Vinton is going Woo! to tell us, he's going to spill the beans of his secret project of secrecy. Peter, can't wait to hear it. And on July 26th, The Art of Brandon Barrows, a Boston Comic-Con preview. Dead Redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, GraniteCon, PopCultureExpo.com, Rhode Island Comic-Con, BooksAndBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. The intro music tonight was by Rob Watts. And don't forget to find his work on robwattsonline.com. Don't? I want to thank Sarah Hensley from Mad Scientist Lab for joining us tonight. Great, fun, cool stuff. Links to all of it uh, on the website. I want to thank our cast tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar maven, Zombrarian. Thank you much, ladies. You're welcome. I want to know what the guesses in the peanut gallery were. Why did they think I missed last week? Um, this is going to crush you, I know. Cam's not here. <gasps> oh, no. Aww. My heart is broken. And on that note, from the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you so much, Dead Red Ed. Bacon. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. That sounds good. That sounds perfect.